In this episode of the Brawn Body Podcast, I'm joined again by Julie Burrell to kind of discuss the mental health and its impact on your fitness, how you can incorporate mental health, mental fitness, so to speak, into your gym routine, what that looks like, the impacts that will have, and so much more. If you have not yet, I highly recommend you go back and listen to the first episode from this week. That's episode 111 with Julie, where we talked about gratitude, gratitude journaling, mindfulness, breathing, all kinds of different things. So go back, listen to that, and make sure you follow both my page at Brombody on Instagram and Julie's page at GoalSetMindset underscore JB, so you can keep up to date with everything that the two of us have been doing. This episode and all of our episodes are sponsored by CTM Band. That's Compression Tension Movement Band, founded by Dr. Kyle Bowling out of Louisville, Kentucky. This company makes top-notch recovery products used by some of the world's best athletes, including Boston Marathon champions, Kentucky Derby winning horse jockeys, and NFL players. I personally recommend their stuff and use their stuff on a daily basis. If you would like to try their recovery products, such as the CTM Band or Ridge Roller, head over to their site, ctm.band, and use the coupon code BRAWN10, B-R-A-W-N-1-0, for 10% off your purchase. And now a quick word from one of our other sponsors. Julie, welcome back. Excited to have you again. Thanks for having me back on. So kind of talking about going off of what we talked about on Monday, we were really focusing in on mental, the mental aspect of life and mindfulness and gratitude. When it comes to training, physical training in something like the gym or on the sports field, whatever it is, you and I both know that mental battles tend to be just as big, if not bigger than the physical ones. Uh, I wasn't going to bring it up, but I'll throw it out there. We all obviously see what happened with Simone Biles in the Olympics. So I feel like in general, uh, people tend to focus more on the physical side of things when it comes to sports and fitness and life in general, right? Everyone wants to be bigger or faster or stronger or more athletic or leaner or more cut or ripped or whatever. Uh, kind of with that, do you feel like there's kind of, well, there's an overemphasis on the physical side of things and a neglect of the mental side of things. Would you kind of agree with that or would you uh, have anything different to offer in that regard? I agree that, um, you know, the mental athlete is like a very overlooked thing. I think it's not necessarily anybody's fault. I mean, it's a whole lot easier to focus on physical achievements. There are things that you can see. There are things that you can measure. And in athletics, that's how you win and lose, right? It's, it's numbers and things that are measured. So it makes sense to a degree that that's what athletes focus so much on. And that's how we compare ourselves. But what I really find interesting is how much mental and physical readiness and mental and physical strength intertwine and support each other for an athlete. You know, you can have one without the other. You can be a successful athlete physically without being a successful athlete mentally. But when you do combine those two things and when you really leverage mental practice, it's amazing how much further you're going to end up um, and how much happier you are in the process, you know? For sure. And 
not only are you happier, but if you're happier and your morale is better, your motivation is better, you're probably going to perform better. So even though you might have to, you know, maybe miss a set of one rep max squats or something like that, because you're focusing more on your mental side instead of your physical side, you're going to have better results in the long term from doing this. Uh, so that alone is one of the many reasons that the mental aspect of training is important. Uh, can you kind of think of any other reasons why we really need to focus on the mind and not the the mind before the body, I'll say. Yeah. Um, so going off of what I was saying before, how the two really connect, especially in the weight room. So um, I'm a training conditioning coach. So most of my time with athletes is spent in the weight room during training. One thing that is super important for athletes is to be mentally present during a training session for the purpose of feeling the training session, feeling what's happening to your muscles. How does your body feel? Is anything painful? When we go to train and we're blasting music and we're hanging out with our friends, like, of course, it's fun and it's supposed to boost morale and everything else. But it's amazing the things that you learn about your body. And I speak this from experience personally and also as a coach. You learn so much more and understand so much more about movement when you're mentally present in that moment. So I like to give a lot of cues to my athletes about what they should be feeling or breathing through an exercise or, you know, focusing on posture, these little things that when you direct your brain's attention to something happening in your body, it improves not only your understanding of what's supposed to be done, but improves your performance of that task. And that, of course, can translate over to the field. You know, there's so much research on flow state and achieving flow state during a high stake performance. The only time you're ever going to find that flow state and experience peak performance is if you're practicing it readily. So even when you're in the weight room and you're not in competition or throughout the rest of your day, you need to be mentally present and mentally working on these strategies so that when game time comes around, your brain can just snap right into, you know, flow state mode and it comes naturally. For sure. And when you say flow state, for those who don't know, it's kind of like this mental state where you are connected with yourself and with everything that's occurring around you. Um, so not only does this have uh, carryover in sports, but it has carryover in life as well. Uh, I was fortunate enough during my first clinical uh, to work with a lot of people in the military. And this is something that they give the snipers a lot of breath work and a lot of kind of training to get into this flow state. Because if you need to hit a target over a mile away, you know, that's a lot of cognitive pressure and mental kind of fortitude that you need to have in order to get this one shot lined up perfect. Uh, so achieving a state of flow or a state of, I guess, one of the other kind of trendy terms is to say Zen. Um, and I don't want that to get taken the wrong way, but just a state where you are aware and in tune with yourself and what's happening around you. It's going to have so many positive impacts across all aspects of your life. And like we talked about on the Monday episode, this is something that so many people are missing right now because we're constantly drowned out by other things. 
just like you mentioned, whether it be music or people or just looking at the screen or, you know, have to record this exercise or this PR so I can post it on Instagram, right? We're all guilty of stuff like that sometimes, but it's important to remember the importance of unplugging and focusing on the present moment as well. Um, so with that in mind, how have you been shifting the paradigm in uh, Scranton where you're uh, acting as a strength coach for some different collegiate athletes, how are you kind of getting them to buy into, you know, right now we're not going to do one rep max squats and deadlifts. We're going to breathe and feel ourselves through a 50% rep max squat. Or how are you going to get people to realize like, you know, sitting down and breathing for two minutes is more important than, you know, two minutes on the massage gun or something like that. Yeah. It's definitely hard because athletes, like, you want to do the sexy stuff. You want to do the PRs. You want to do the stuff that you can post on Instagram. And not every athlete wants to listen to, you know, all this research-based stuff. Like, you and I get excited about and believe it, but your average athlete isn't going to care. So the way that I do that is I do a lot of, like, team-building type exercises throughout a training season um, where I have athletes, we spend an entire training day scattered throughout the weight room, doing things in groups, but also doing things individually. And I will ask them like a series of questions and basically invoke self-reflection as a group and as an individual. So setting goals for themselves in the short term, setting specific achievable goals, asking them, you know, what kinds of exercises make you feel good? Or what kinds of exercises are we doing in here that are really difficult for you? And kind of just getting a gauge on not only to help me on like how they feel about the training, but for them to take a second and think about like, how am I doing? And find those things that they're proud of. You know, one of my favorite, not one of my favorite day during a training season is max testing day. And, you know, it's not because I want to see how much my athletes can lift necessarily or, or focus on the numbers or anything, but there's something about that energy when an athlete realizes that they're proud of the work that they put in and that they've made progress. And I'm, I'm very intentional with my athletes about looking at them and saying to them, like, be proud because nobody did this, but you, you know, you are in full control of the effort that you put in and that's going to show. And it's a really good way to mesh that whole physical and mental performance. Um, you know, I've done some meditation stuff. I've done some breathing stuff. And a lot of my research on this is kind of, um, been more so the last couple of months so I'm really looking forward to this upcoming season and you know putting them into practice even more but I guess the biggest thing is like you got to start somewhere and it doesn't take a lot it's a couple minutes in the beginning of the session just talking to the athletes you know as coaches it's so easy to just like bark orders and be like all right here we go you're gonna do this you're gonna do that but giving athletes the opportunity to think about and express how they're feeling and what they think and what makes them feel good, it is so much more powerful when they feel comfortable and they feel some, you know, sense of autonomy um, throughout their training. Right. Shift the locus of control back to them. Uh, something that not only works well with athletes and high level individuals, but also with individuals of many different um, maybe places in life or states, I'll say. Um, so I was fortunate enough to work with a PT about two or three times who treats uh, people who have trauma, 
whether it be emotional or chronic or whatever it might be. And a lot of times kind of overcoming traumatic experiences or different things in life, uh, it starts with one thing. And it could just be like you just said, taking a couple minutes and thinking about, you know, one or two questions and coming up with an answer for them, whether that's verbal, whether that's writing it down. It's amazing how just taking five minutes out of, you know, a strength session or a physical therapy session or whatever it is and take and focusing on those one or two things that can have so much of a snowball effect later in life, uh, later in your training process, later in whatever program you're currently on. Uh, So I think this is an area that is highly undervalued and I see the people kind of at the top, so to speak. Uh, like you, for example, you work with very, you know, I'll say higher level athletes. They're collegiate athletes. Only 1% of athletes make it to the college level at any point. Uh, so they are the 1%, so to speak. They're young, they're healthy, they're fit. So for someone like you to say, you know what, I feel like this is important for my people to, my athletes to do so much so that I'm going to take five minutes out of our, you know, 45 minute hour training block to make sure this gets done. Uh, I feel like that should speak volumes uh, to everyone else who is still kind of skeptical about, you know, should I be doing this? Should I not be doing this? You know, when it's being done in collegiate weight rooms, when it's uh, the PT I worked with worked with LeBron James in the past, when it's being done at these levels, you know, it's really something that we all kind of need to turn to and look to. Um, so I love that we're talking about this topic and I love the light we're shedding on it so far. Um, how have you kind of applied this to your own training? Do you have someone that you work out with and kind of talk with about these things before you start training? Or do you do your journaling before you start training? Or what is your own kind of mental training approach look like before, during, or after a, uh, a workout? Yeah. Um, I mean, I definitely have, you know, some people that I'm close to who I do talk about the mental side of things with in terms of training, but I do train by myself. Um, and I do keep a journal when I train more so for like the objective stuff, my weights and stuff like that. But there is a little comment section at the bottom of my journal that I just take like a minute or two and kind of debrief at the end of my session and write about how that felt and anything hurt did I feel strong did I feel weak like what was I feeling and just being present in how my body feels that day um but in terms of like preparation I mean a lot of the things that I'm routinely doing my gratitude my breath work my meditation it does tie into mental performance or to physical performance um you know for the same reason that people might recommend before you take a big exam not to be cramming at the last second looking at your notes, like take 20, 30 minutes and just relax and let that information settle in. When you're about to go into a big event or a big training session or something like that, relaxing your mind a little bit so you're not going in super hardwired and like super hyped up. Um, Of course, it's good to be, to have a certain level of physiological arousal before competition, but mentally you wanna be in like a clear state of mind. And then also during training, like my goals have shifted a lot for me now since when I was an athlete that now I'm looking for just like general performance. I want to look good. I want to feel good. Um, You know, I'm training more functionally just for day-to-day life. And that makes it hard sometimes because I'm not chasing a number anymore. I'm not chasing a score on a fitness test. 
but I'm chasing how I feel. I'm chasing feeling good. So I do a lot more training sessions without music now. Um, so I can really pay attention to how I'm feeling and how difficult a certain weight feels. I'm really focused on my breath during my workout. And you can get to the point that you are conscious of your breath, but also listening to music. But I'm still in that like beginning cognitive stage of learning where I haven't quite mastered breath work yet during my exercises that I need to be like completely present and not have distractions. Um, so that's kind of like the approach I'm taking personally. No, for sure. I like that a lot. And I like how you kind of make the point too. It's intentional training with set goals. Those goals might not be tied to a specific number, but you have a path that you're working down. You have a end goal in mind, something that you're working towards and you're doing little things, kind of sweating the small stuff for lack of a better way to put it to make sure you get to those goals quicker. And I know you mentioned one of the things is not listening to music when you work out. I know a lot of people cannot imagine what you know a workout would be like without blasting you know Eminem or Kanye or something like that so for them and for a lot of people out there who you know they got the headphones in they're in their own little world uh, I think there is a time and a place for that right going to the gym is a form of therapy I think that it's good to be able to do those things however I don't think it's something that's always needed kind of like taking pre-workout right you know do you always need to slam 300 milligrams of caffeine and get all hype hyped up and all that before you work out i i really don't think so uh i think there's other things you can do to kind of awaken your um your mind a little bit and uh these are all questions i'm going to be talking to a guest about in a couple weeks from now actually uh I'll make it official while we're here. Uh, we're going to have uh, Sal Stefano from Mind Pump on in about two and a half weeks. And one of the things awesome. that we're going to be talking about is uh, they have a program called Maps Prime. And it's a pre-workout program. So it's 15 minutes of tailored programming to you to warm yourself up and awaken your nervous system to get you ready to work out. So it's kind of like a natural pre-workout not caffeinated, not drinkable, just through movement. Uh, so I really like that you kind of do a lot of those same things yourself uh, in your own kind of training and make it intentional and not just, you know, well, this is what I saw online in, uh, you know, the back of bodybuilding magazine. So it must be right. So um, I like how you kind of tailor things to yourself. And obviously that carries over into your athletes and the people that you train as well. Um, how is, you've kind of talked a little bit about how now you're not chasing numbers as much like you were when you were an athlete. Um, has your current training kind of changed in any other ways compared to when you were playing field hockey? Or do you think that your current uh, mental health practices would have been uh, impactful to you when you were playing field hockey? Yeah, um, I definitely do. Like looking back on my college career, I do wish that I did some of this mental practice stuff sooner. Um, just because of being present in the moment, right? Like any college athlete will tell you that time goes by so fast and you blink and all of a sudden you're done. So just being a little more conscious of like appreciating being a college athlete and really loving everything that comes with it, the good and the bad, 
um, you know, before it's over. In terms of like my training now, I definitely just take more of an approach of like wanting to be physically able to do anything that I want to do. And that's heavy energy, that feels strong. So my training sessions aren't always mapped around, you know, weight training or running like they used to be. Now I consider a 30 minute walk in my barefoot shoes, breathing through my nose to be part of my training, you know, and that's not something that I'm like building muscle mass, but I'm training these other elements of my body that are really important to my well-being. Things like that I never would have wasted my time with when I was a college athlete because I just thought, you know, you got to push hard all the time. So now I'm definitely prioritizing like the supplemental stuff a little bit more and focusing on movement quality. Um, Cause I also, I love to chase the numbers. I love being one of the stronger girls on my team and pushing all this weight. And I wouldn't go back and change that necessarily cause it was fun. Um, but now I, my priorities are just different, you know? For sure. And kind of with that too, you're in it for the long haul training longevity. And if you want to be the strongest person, you need to have some kind of focus on longevity because you can't just, you know, make all kinds of strength and performance gains overnight and wake up the next day and be, you know, so much stronger. You have to be able to not just deadlift once, but deadlift, you know, thousands and thousands of repetitions and focusing on the quality, like you said, is actually going to help you lift more because you're greasing the movement pattern. You're making it more second nature. Um, one of the people I was able to work with in Arizona is very highly ranked nationally for powerlifting. And she trains twice a day. Uh, and she wow. does every movement pattern, bench squat and deadlift four to five times a week. And people look at that and they're like, how, how does she have time to do that? Like, what is she doing? And she'll talk to you and she'll say, you know, like, I don't squat one rep max every time. Like, sometimes it's like, you know, I'm squatting 115 or I'm squatting, you know, my body weight and I'm just focusing on clean form and good repetitions. And when form breaks down, I stop. So having that focus on quality, kind of like we talked about before, is something that's being done by the best of the best. So this isn't something that's just like, you know, from Joe down the street, this is like legitimate, it's evidence-based and it's being used by the high level individuals. So this is something that if you're listening, if you're not focusing on quality and you're letting form slip out the door, if you're not sweating the small stuff, if you're constantly, you know, cranking up the volume and just drowning out that connection that you have with yourself, if you're not paying attention to your breathing, if you're not monitoring your exertion level throughout exercise and how that might relate to other factors like sleep or heart rate variability, you know, you're not going to get your peak potential. And if you don't want your peak potential, that's okay. You know, not everyone has to be a world-class performer or athlete, but a lot of people I talk to want the best out of themselves. So if you want the best, you have to be willing to work harder. Yeah, another thing that I look forward to, like shedding more light on as I go forward in my career, um, is talking about all all of the elements that go into human performance. Right? Um, we're talking about mental strategies and you know, of course, physical training in the gym. But I've become super fascinated by and passionate about the other 20, 21, 22 hours of an athlete's day and the impact that that has on their ultimate performance. Um, so that's things like sleep and nutrition and stress management and, you know, breathing and, and mental health, like we talked about, but 
it is astronomical the performance enhancing effect that those variables can have if you do the simple stuff right you know yep. if you get enough sleep and if you eat decent food compared to when you're treating those aspects of your life like crap um the impact that it has is absolutely unbelievable and that's something that i've only really you know um prioritized within the last year I was that athlete and that college student hanging in the library till 2 a.m. because I would be at the mind until they all left at 11. And then I'm sitting there doing my physics homework and like I go, I sleep for five hours and then I practice the next day. And I wish that I knew the importance of this stuff, you know, because I would have been that much better. And it's kind of become one of my missions now as a coach of athletes and as a coach of young athletes. Um, to just shed some light on that stuff. And not everybody's gonna care about it, not everybody's gonna change, but if you can have an impact on a few of those people. Um, I actually have a clinical rotation coming up in April working specifically with pediatric um, sports medicine. So I'll be working entirely one-on-one -on -one with youth athletes, mostly like adolescent and high school level. And I cannot, I could cry about my excitement because I'm finally gonna have the opportunity to spend enough time with an athlete to talk about these things in a way that they're going to understand, you know, meet them where they're at. And I really am hopeful with the different things that are coming out that in the next 10 to 15 years, this stuff is going to be talked about a lot more. You know, there's no doubt in my mind that coaches are already doing it more so, you know, um, but it's just really cool how much it enhances and it's all free and all you need is yourself and your body and your mind. And, uh, I'm really, really, you know, passionate about teaching as many athletes as I can about those topics. For sure. I, I can't echo that loudly enough. Um, I was someone who this past year, um, I kind of refocused my time during college and I'd always kind of gotten to bed early, gotten up early, but I spent more time reading, just pleasure reading. I spent more time just kind of mindfulness and mental health practice and that sort of thing. And I spent less time studying. And I guarantee you anyone listening to this right now who's in college is going to, you know, they're going to go into heart palpitations after hearing that. But I spent less time studying and I did better in school. So when I did study, it was higher quality yeah. time and I was mentally just more there. You know, it's not about the amount of time you spend studying, but the quality of time. And I like how you mentioned too the tie over with athletic performance. I point people to, you know, some of the pioneers of this stuff. You look at Wim Hof. Well, the dude hiked up Mount Everest in nothing but his shorts. He didn't have a shirt on, nothing. And you look at him and you don't think he looks like an extreme athlete, but he did it through a lot of proper diet, proper mindfulness practice, connecting his brain with his body. He also ran a marathon in the Sahara Desert without water. Uh, which running a marathon in itself is an accomplishment for most people, but running it in the hottest place on earth without water, that's a whole nother level. Um, so the kind of stuff we're talking about here is being used by extreme athletes, not just Wim Hof, but Sammy Enkinen when he rode from California to Hawaii, Ben Greenfield when he ran an ultra marathon without actually running in his training to prepare for it. Uh, the list goes on and on of you know high level people who do these crazy things and it's all because of not their physical prep 
but the other 80%, right? You know, an hour, two hours in your gym is, or an hour, two hours a day in the gym or doing some kind of physical prep is 10 to 20% of your day. So that other 80 to 90% is arguably more important. And again, this isn't just for athletic performance and training, but it's for all aspects of life, right? So if we take physical therapy, if you have muscle imbalances, you're not going to correct them in one hour a week. You're going to need them to improve their sitting posture. You're going to need them to improve their uh, ergonomics at work. If they're sitting down for eight, 10 hours a day, you're going to have to consider all these different things and not just what you can do in one hour's time. If you're an athlete looking for the edge, it's not just you know what you do in the gym, it's what you eat. It's everything that Julie just said. Um, so I think as we start to focus more and more, like you said, just echoing what you said, uh, as we focus more and more on the bigger picture of time blocks and the quality of what we do when we are working on that performance piece, uh, I think we can make even bigger strides and gains moving forward in whatever we're doing uh, compared to those who just kind of keep pushing the envelope, so to speak. So just go for more heavy reps, you know, just go to the dining hall and eat whatever, you know, don't worry about sleep. Don't worry about breathing, that, that sort of stuff. Um, so, yeah, that's awesome stuff. Do you have anything else to add to that? Yeah, I will. Um, well, yeah, I will say, actually, this past semester, one of my um, previous professors from undergrad invited me to speak to his training and conditioning class and basically was like, hey, I follow your page. You're doing a lot of cool stuff. Talk about whatever you want. Um, so I put together a huge presentation about the importance of recovery. And I broke it up into three main topics. I talked about sleep, nutrition, and like active recovery and movement. And I was I absolutely loved every second of giving this presentation, but I was really, really pleasantly surprised by the number of students who reached out to me afterwards to ask me questions or sending me an email saying like, hey, I'd love to talk to you about your journey. And like, there were a handful of sophomores and juniors in that class who looked at me and were like inspired by what I was teaching them. And it was the coolest thing three, four years prior and talking to these athletes about these elements that are so important in coaching and training and them actually getting excited by it. So it gives me a lot of hope that this stuff is really going to start to build traction um, and grow in the community. We just need, you know, people like us who are aware of it to just keep talking about it and sharing the wealth and showing people that it works. And um, I, I really think it's going to become a big thing. For sure. And it sounds like maybe it's time for you to start hosting your own podcast or some webinars or something like that. Cause it uh, sounds <laughs> maybe like one day, maybe went one day. well, but awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. Very cool stuff. Julie, any closing remarks or anything else you'd like to share about kind of that mental side of training? Um, yeah. One more thing that I'll say is when, you know, speaking to any coaches or trainers out there that are working with athletes, um, we probably could all agree that one of the reasons why we became a coach is because we love helping people. We want to help people become better. We want to help athletes become better. And what I like to think about is, although we're training athletes, there's a very, very, very small amount of athletes that are an athlete forever, right? Most athletes maybe make it through high school, a small percent make it through college, and then a very small percent make it past that. 
So considering that, when you're training your athletes, I want you to think about the fact that you're helping them become a better person, not a better person to others, but a better person for themselves and to themselves. When I look back on my days as a college athlete, I was not anywhere close to the star of my team. I barely got playing time and I'm very transparent about that. But what I am so grateful for, for my college journey is that being a college athlete taught me that I really loved training. You know, what I loved about playing college field hockey wasn't really the field hockey. It was the being on a sports team and working towards goals and getting stronger and pushing myself. And looking at my life now, I'm like, you know what? That's what my life is all about, you know? So considering that, when you have your college or high school athlete in front of you, think about the fact that they're going to go on to become a college student or become a teacher or become somebody who needs self-efficacy, who needs a sense of confidence, who could really benefit from persevering through challenges and realizing their success. And that's why mental strategies within training are so important. One day your athlete's gonna step on the field or the court for the last time, and then all of a sudden your training isn't gonna matter. They might never pick up a weight again. But if you can have an impact on their sense of self-efficacy, their sense of confidence, their sense of achieving a goal, that's gonna take them through life. You know, I train athletes in, in Scranton who it's a division three school. Some of these athletes are amazing and could have played at a higher level. And some of them are like me and just wanted to keep playing their sport. And those are the athletes that I love working with because their PR on a squat might not be anywhere near their teammate, but they feel amazing. And they're gonna chase that feeling for the rest of their life in whatever else they do. So that's what really lights me up is like, do I love going to the games and then seeing them crush the other team? Like, hell yeah. But what I really love is seeing down the road that they're killing it in life or that they're doing well in school or that all of these other aspects of their life are falling into place because being an athlete is so much more than winning games. And that's how I feel. You know, for me, it was never about scoring the goal because I never was on the field to do it. But for me, I prioritize my physical health and my physical training more than a lot of other uh, girls that I played with because that was always the priority for me, you know? Um, so that was like a little bit long wind by Mark, but seriously a, a, a challenge for all of the trainers and coaches out there. And know that the person standing in front of you is so much more than an athlete. That's only a very small sliver of their identity. So help them realize that they can push through challenges, that they can conquer their goals. For sure. Training for life, as I like to call it. Hell yeah. Training for life. That's what I'm always saying. <laughs> Julie with that thank you so much for your time for those listening make sure you go follow Julie on Instagram if you haven't already you can find her at goal set mindset underscore JB you can also kind of click on the link in the show notes or on my own Instagram and you'll be able to get to her page through there Julie always a pleasure to see you thank you so much again for your time you too Dan thanks a lot